friends. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of the Inner Revolution podcast. Today, we're going to have some dynamic thoughts from diverse speakers with a biblical viewpoint. Feel free to stick around and prepare to be blessed. Thanks, everyone, for your continued uh, interest in the Inner Revolution podcast. Uh, very excited in these days that are tumultuous in some regards and uncertain that we have the certainty of the word of God and the faithfulness of the Holy Spirit. And uh, we are just praying with you and praying that this, uh, these words would be a kingdom encouragement to you for your lives, for your families, for uh, all that you faced. And uh, we always love hearing from you. We're on YouTube, don't forget, as well as other platforms, Anchor and Spotify and so much more. So follow through to follow us and comment. We always love to hear from you. Also, as a reminder, this Sunday, November 8th at 3 p.m., we're going to be doing our uh, virtual book review on my new book, uh, Beautifully Broken. So it'll be a Facebook live event and would love to have you connect with us, comment and get some free stuff. We're going to be giving away some free books and uh, we would love your, your, uh, your input. But today, uh, we have a special guest, uh, Pastor Bill Alderson, uh, joining me today. And I'm very excited to have him uh, introduce a, a very interesting subject on the two sides of justice. And before we have him introduce that, uh, he's been a pastor since 1994. Uh, he uh, pastored a church in Ohio, and he presently has been working over a number of years uh, with nursing home ministry. He's a discipler, and he's worked also with the Salvation Army through the addictions program. So he's, uh, and he's also a dear friend. So I want to put that at, at, the front of the, at the front of this great list. <laughs> but Pastor Bill, great to have you today, sir. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, and it's good to be with you and uh, looking forward to sharing uh, this subject. It's something that God has passionately put on my heart to share. Good, good. I think justice has been kind of blurred in these days as far as a lot of injustices that have been happening, but I'm very excited to uh, just hear from you from a biblical per perspective about uh, the two sides of justice. So fire away, it's all yours. Well, I, I want to start with this, the, the premise that um, there are a lot of people that perceive God as, a, um, as more of a God of judgment, um, a hard taskmaster. Somebody who's going to, um, you know, come down hard on people when they fail. And the fact is, uh, that is not the case at all. When we look at scripture, we find out that, uh, number one, that he is a God of justice. That justice is really part of his DNA. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18 says that. And, uh, and then Deuteronomy 32, 4 says that he does, that all his ways are just. That not only is he just, but everything he does also fits under the realm of his justice. Now, the word, um, this word for justice is the Hebrew word mispat. And it, you know, has the, the sense that he renders justice faithfully, consistently. He doesn't kind of jump around, pick and choose how he's going to respond, but it's always consistent with who he is and with his word. Um, he is a God of faithfulness and without injustice 
righteous and upright is he. You see, this is how he wants us to see him because that is who he is. So in Exodus chapter 34, um, I want to share just a couple of verses. It says this, and the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, this is in front of Moses, the Lord, the, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. Yet, he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the grandchildren to the third and the fourth generations. What, the, what this passage is speaking about is two sides of justice. We have the side where he is gracious and long-suffering and wants us to, to see him. Per, per, a perfect judge has two sides, one who's slow to anger and compassionate, yet he will not let the guilty get away unpunished. Now, I want to use an, uh, an illustration of, uh, from the Old Testament. It's the, um, the nation of Assyria, pretty wicked nation, if you, if you look at their context and their history. Um, and this is the nation that Jonah was sent to. And uh, in the book of Jonah, Jonah um, is told by God, you, you need to go to, to, to Nineveh, the capital of Assyria, and tell them that if they, if they don't repent, they've got 40 days or they're going to be destroyed. And Jonah, um, Jonah has a hard time with this. He doesn't want this to happen. Um, he, he, he thinks that, uh, no, they deserve the worst punishment because all these wicked things that they've done. But God continues, and you know the story. He um, Ultimately, he uh, ends up in the belly of a fish. And uh, eventually he, he decides, yeah, I better, I better go along with this. So he goes ahead in Jonah chapter three, presents the message, and guess what? They repented. They said they were going to turn from their wicked ways. Now in chapter four of Jonah, he has a really hard time with this. He's, you know, in fact, he says, I, wanna, I just wanna die. I wanna die. But God speaks back to him in Jonah 4.11 and says this, should I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know the difference between their right and their left hand, as well as many animals? You see, when man sees injustice, he wants retribution, but the Lord is not a God of retribution. You see, he's looking way beyond that. Now, God gave a prophecy to Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 10, dealing with this the same nation, the nation of Assyria. In verse 12 of uh, Isaiah 10, he says, I will punish the fruit of the arrogant heart of the king of Assyria and the pomp of his haughtiness. The fulfillment of this prophecy took place about 150 years after Jonah's visit to Nineveh. So what happened, it, uh, the, the Bible tells us, verses 16 and 17 of Isaiah 10, a wasting, God sent a wasting disease among his stout warriors, and on his glory a fire will be kindled like a burning flame, 
and the light of Israel will become a fire and his holy one a flame, and it will burn and devour his thorns and his briars in a single day. The fulfillment of that verse, uh, of that actually did take place. So here we see two sides of justice. God on the one hand is willing to reach out to them and then they repented. But many, many years later, here comes judgment, complete judgment. You see, um, there is a divine energy that works toward and for the righteous while the wicked will always be resisted and they will suffer the consequences of their actions. Proverbs 11 verse five says, the righteousness of the blameless will smooth his way, but the wicked will, will fall by his own wickedness. Two sides of justice. You see, God's going to deal with people in this life. He's going to deal with people in the life to come as well. Now, the book of Proverbs is filled with verses that compare righteousness and wickedness. And I want to read just a couple, just to kind of lay the foundation here. He says this in Proverbs 11.8, the righteous is delivered from trouble, but the wicked takes his place. <laughs> wow. The righteous is delivered from trouble, but the wicked takes his place. And then there's Proverbs 11.31. If the righteous will be rewarded in the earth, how much more the wicked and the sinner. So we're seeing here that God wants to fulfill justice completely in this life, as well as the life to come. So, the, his, so then his justice is not just realized at the judgment seat but it's realized also in the quality of life that we have here. See, he wants us to, to experience his justice now and not just in the future. Now, the New Testament has an interesting example. And this is um, second, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. We have this man, uh, Paul addresses the church about this man in the church who's sleeping with his stepmother and Paul basically says you got to get that guy out of there because you know this this is a little leaven is going to leaven the whole lump that that this sin is going to reproduce itself within the congregation and they listened to Paul and they did but then in 2nd Corinthians chapter 2 Paul writes back to them and basically he says hey this guy, it was either this guy or some similar event that Paul was addressing. He was basically saying, hey, you're not welcoming him back. He needs to be welcomed back. He's repented. And you continue to keep him at arm's length. You see, justice not only involves judgment, but it involves reconciliation as well. That God wants to, to bring people back into his presence. So... Here we have this wonderful picture of um, what the, the, the wonderful pic picture of justice, two sides, that has massive ramifications for us as believers. 
And I have, um, I, I want to finish with a passage from Psalm 37. If you want to do it now or wait until afterwards, we can do that now. I'll, okay. Psalm 37, David's Psalm. He's basically writing to God, writing to the church, writing to whoever about why, why can't, where, I want to see justice for, the, for those who, who have brought about evil doing. I want them to face the consequences of their actions. They shouldn't get a get out of free, a get out of jail free card. They need, I need to see them take the consequences for their actions. And then he writes these words, Psalm 37 verses three to seven. He says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he will do it. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. You see, in this passage, in this psalm, David first is encouraging the, the, those reading us that evildoers will quickly fade away. There will be addressed at the right time and in the right measure. So we don't have to worry about that. We don't have to take it upon ourselves to bring about any justice on, on God's behalf. So then we have verse 3, which is speaking to really a spiritual implementation of how we face this problem. He says in verse, uh, in verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. This word for trust, it basically means that I'm putting my total confidence in God. <laughs> and this is not a feeling. It's a decision of the will. I make a decision that I'm going to trust God. And whenever feelings of, of unbelief come, I cast them away. I pursue biblical um, accommodations, reading scripture, doing something that brings me back to the truth. What am I doing? I'm placing my confidence completely in him. So when we trust in the Lord, then we do good and we dwell in the land and we will cultivate faithfulness. It all begins there. Verse four says, delight yourself in the Lord. It means to, becoming, to, to, to be glad. It, 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 it's the result of a willingness to quiet oneself before him, to submit the emotions to his rule. Submitting the emotions to his rule. Now, now I'm delighting in him. In so doing, his desires become our desires. You see, so we, we are now perfectly in, in, in alignment here. There's nothing that, dis, that, that separates us. Then if, 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 if he decides to be long-suffering toward a situation that I maybe personally feel he shouldn't, I'm still willing to accept his plan. Then uh, in verse uh, 5 says, commit your way to the Lord. Committing our way to the Lord is to roll 
the burdens of our life on him. It's kind of like what 1 Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your cares on him, for he cares for you. It's that, that principle of, of, I don't need to solve my problems. I'm putting my problems on God because he's got a better answer than I ever could. And what happens is then I'm not holding back. And in the process, I find righteousness. I'm resting in the Lord. I'm waiting for him. And, and it means, means that I have this, this clear sense that God is going to come in and deal with the situation at hand. So I have, I, I have nothing that I need to do to make things right. God is, I am totally at peace with God doing what he wants to do. And this means I'm not, all, not only willing to wait, but wait patiently. And you see, this is really where the victory is found in, a, in the believer's life. And, and I believe that when we see this, now we are resting totally in the both sides of God's justice. Resting when he gives grace, when he gives mercy, when he gives compassion, and also resting when he brings his judgment. You see, because he knows best what he's doing. Amen. Amen. Wow. Excellent. Boy, you said so many great things, Pastor Bill, and, and uh, thank you so much for that great word. I, I want to just kind of unpack a couple of things. You kind of said something that really tied it all together at the very end there uh, about submitting our emotions. I think our emotions can be a runaway train because we think that God should deal with things our way, with our perspective. But isn't it true we forget that God sees everything, he knows everything, he is aware of all things, and we have such a slim, narrow viewpoint uh, compared to God. And, uh, you know, just what you said about justice, that our God is not all, only a God of retribution, but he's a God of relationship or reconciliation. I, I think that's a huge point, especially for believers, because... Um, you know, we can be our own little judge. We can have our judge and be the jury and, and condemn people in a, in a, in a moment, uh, especially in, uh, in mistakes or, or issues that we think are not fair. Like, I mean, how many times have we heard people say, God, you are not fair. And we would say he is not fair. He is just, which means as you had so beautifully said, he is reaching loving, drawing people all day long. Uh, and I, 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 I got to share this verse real quick. Romans 10, 21 kept coming to my mind that his arms are outstretched all day long to the wicked. I mean, that is incredible. That is incredible. What I'd like you to share, if you would, a verse that many believers know, and I think ties in beautifully with what you're saying is James 2, 13, that mercy rejoices over judgment. So, so let's say this, let's say, uh, as you so beautifully said, there's consequences, right? How does yes. mercy, how does mercy rejoice over judgment? Uh, what would you say about that? Well, mercy, this is the, the Hebrew word is chesed. And it has the idea of, of loving kindness, that the loving kindness of God, that because God is a God of love, 
therefore the expression of that love is in the form of kindness. And in, in, in Romans chapter two and verse four, Paul challenges the church there by saying, hey, don't you understand the riches of God's kindness? That, and all it takes of you, you just to humble yourself, just to, to bring yourself down, let God be God in your life and you will experience his kindness. You see, this is what he's after. He, he's not interested in punishment. He's not a God of punishment. He's a God of victory. And he wants to bring us to that place where we are victorious in and through our relationship with him. And so he's all we want, he always wants us to find mercy. Over and over again in the Old Testament in particular, we see the terminology mercy and truth. Mercy and truth, uh, it, it, it appears probably 15 different times in the Old Testament I've studied. And, and, and notice that it says mercy first yeah. and then truth, because mercy does come first. Mercy always comes first. And mercy always wants to, to triumph over judgment. Uh, you mentioned something a, a few moments ago about, about judging and the problem that, that we have is in this principle of becoming a judge. But James deals with that in James chapter two, uh, four, um, in, in beginning in verse 11, he says, do not speak against one another, brethren. He who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. There is only one lawgiver. And one judge, the one who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you who judge your neighbor? Wow. So it puts it in a, in the context. When you start becoming a judge, then you are basically taking God's place. You were saying to God, I can't trust that you're going to do what needs to be done in this situation. So I'm taking over. And you know what's scary about that? I think of Romans 2, 1. The moment we do that, then the sin and the judgment that that person has done now comes off onto us and because we've become a judge. That's right. You know, just exactly. as we close, Pastor Bill, um, you've said so much here. Um, I just want to reflect on this one point here about submitting our emotions. And I think with the with the election and uh, with our climate and our nation with COVID, uh, there's been a, a lot of inflammatory speech, a lot of venting, a lot of um, just a lot of negativity. And as a believer, we have to understand, yes, the wicked will be punished. I mean, the wages of sin is death, but we can't forget that God is uh, doing all that he is doing to draw the person ultimately unto himself. And, and as we just think about this, I thought of Amos 5.13. It says, therefore, the prudent shall keep silent in this time, for it is an evil time. So, so how is it that, uh, just in the last few minutes today, how is it that we can submit our emotions so we're responding to the right things, we're thinking correctly about things, ultimately knowing that heaven will be the ultimate place of justice. Um, the, the unbeliever will be judged ultimately. Uh, but how is it as a believer that we don't just get all tired out and exhausted 
by uh, by crazy emotions, like uh, freaking out over things and and losing our joy, and maybe just for just a few minutes submitting our emotions. Tell tell us about that. Well, let me let me give you let me use an example because I think this might be appropriate. Um, I got a text this morning from a guy who um, um, who's a Bible college student and a guy that I've been mentoring for a number of years, and he was. He was saying, I, I don't know what to do looking at the situation uh, with the with the election and feeling like I don't you know, I'm, I'm afraid that the wrong person's going to end up in the White House. And 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 so he says, can you help me kind of think this thing through? Because I'm, I'm getting scared. You know, the, the emotions were starting to take over. My response to him was that first off, we need to look at the situation for what it is. And, and, and that is that, you see, our life and the life that we live on this planet is a battlefield. And, and, and we're in the middle of warfare. And, um, you know, we can, um, we can get caught up in the warfare. And by so doing, our emotions will take charge and will rule us. But if we take a step back and realize, no, there's, there's something bigger going on here. In this case, I believe it's, it's, it's truth versus the lie, that this is the battlefield that's going on right now. And ultimately, my Bible tells me that my God is a God of truth, and he wins. And he's going to win, ultimately. Now, what that's going to look like, I don't know. And to tell you the truth, I'm not sure I really care, because whatever it is, it'll be perfect. And so what am I doing is I'm separating myself from the situation that causes my emotions to run wild. And I'm stepping up at a higher ground. And I'm looking at this from, from an eternal plane. From an eternal plane, whatever happens in 2020, you know, if, if you look back a hundred years from now, who cares what happened in 2020? You know, and, and this, is, this is the reality. Now, I, when I step back and start to say, what does it matter what happens today, this year, what matter does it make a hundred years from now? Because this is how I'm this is how I'm viewing my life now on a much bigger plane. And when I and by doing that, I am basically saying, here, God, I am putting my total confidence in you, and my emotions there are removed from the process. Does that help? Excellent. Yes, it does. And I think what you said about Psalm 37, uh, just want to encourage our listeners to take time and go through Psalm 37 so that we're not fretting, but we're committing. We're not distracted, but we're looking at the right things. We're hearing the right things because um, when we forget our role, just like in a marriage, if we forget our roles, if we forget what we've been called to do, then we get tangled with the affairs of this life and we get into things that we're not called to do or not anointed to do. And, um, you know, we present the truth and the truth convicts uh, and, uh, the, and Jesus remains the ultimate judge. So this has been fantastic, Pastor Bill. Thank you so much uh, for your time today and uh, very encouraging. Uh, I just see again and again, we're, we're great stewards of the manifold grace of God. And I love that example about Jonah. I mean, Jonah, he got depressed when God actually answered and healed and saved that wicked city. That and that's an interesting verse four eleven. They didn't even know their right hand from the left. I, I feel like 
I feel like our world is like that today. I really do. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Although these Old Testament passages have have pro, are prophetic in, yeah. in, in our in our current life, no question. And he got an email or a text from Jezebel and took off because his emotions were not submitted. <laughs> but Lord, help us to be uh, to be excited and and also uh, aware and moving in the right spirit in these days. So Pastor Bill, thanks again. God bless you. And we will talk with you again soon, I hope. You bet. God bless you, sir. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Inner Revolution podcast. Please find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Your feedback is always welcome.